This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and music by sitting down with indie folk rock singer-songwriter Shane Larman. Today, Mr. Larman has released album You Are My Home in 2018. A number of singles since then has gone on to teach professionally and continues to tour and release music to this very day. His most recent single being Tennessee Cross, available now on all streaming platforms. Mr. Larman, welcome. Thanks for sitting down with us, my man. No problem, Novo. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. I've been binging your music all day, all night. I am ready to talk shop about the music, the meat of the matter, the heart of your craft. I always like to give our listeners a little background. So I want to start with uh, your roots. What led you down this path to becoming a musician? Um, well, I guess it would all start with my dad. To start with, my dad was a uh, kind of an old school entertainer. He used to play down in Toronto in the 60s, you know, pre-jukebox, pre, uh, pre-DJ. He'd do six days a week at a, at a sort of a, a go-go dancing place. And it was called, it was called the Zanzibar. Ooh, so I like it. Zanzibar. Yeah, lots of stories about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, dad would always sing, pull up the guitar. And, and, you know, I had such a great voice. And he was just, you know, he was tough, too. He was always... Uh, he had a band with, I have uh, two older brothers and he had a band with them. I was kind of a little bit too young for that at the time, but yeah, he was, you know, he was tough on you. He was, uh, it was all about being a good musician it was, was, uh, he's like, yeah, it was beyond even being, uh, just something he liked. It was almost like a, uh, character defining thing when you played around dad, you know, you're just wondering what he was thinking and, and. And he'd always be like, oh, you know, I don't know about that chord there. Or, uh, huh. or uh, you know, your your vocal's too loud in that part. You know? So he was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit tough. But hey, what the heck, I guess it uh, it must have helped to some degree. So he was he was tough in terms of um, he was not shy to give you his criticism. No. 
you know, no. to lay it on thick. Uh, no, I must say, uh, I must say, I wouldn't mind a couple more. Like, oh, that's a that's a great song, tell me. <laughs> no, <laughs> a little more positive reinforcement. Yeah, kind of maybe, thing. But yeah, but it's uh, it's all good. He was an amazing entertainer. He just kind of walked in the room, and and uh, you know, he just sort of had a great charisma and he's he's a really big guy too so when he walked in he was just like kind of took over a room so anyway for me like i started playing music when i was in my teens i started on the drums and got into a number of bands through the 20s went to you know it was never really in music school but i joined once in a while i had to play this part of a school band or something if they needed a drummer and and i got a few bands on the goes blues blues rock stuff and uh, so that was tons of fun but then of course you know bands fall apart and there's problems and things happen so the whole while i actually had in my teens after i got into drums and i was really into like prog rock stuff i was in a rush and zap and all those guys oh yeah pert all those guys pert and bonzo and you know how do you beat those guys right but then i I picked up an acoustic dad had my dad had basically given me you know all the guitars i still have to this day are all gifts from my dad hand-me-downs he'd get bored get himself a new guitar here tell him have this one and so i'd strum away and i got into neil young a lot the harvest moon album is like my fave and yeah just so the whole time i'd be you know playing drums and in bands and having a good time with that but i'd still you know get home and kind of putz around with some chords and writing songs and this and that just sort of a bit more of a insular and sort of personal kind of thing getting a little more yeah, personal and deep, you know, than maybe some of the rock band songs might be, you know. So, yeah, so a lot of these songs have been growing for years, like, uh, yeah, years and years. What about guitars then? Are you a Fender guy, Gibson guy? Uh, I'm now, now that I, uh, well, my dad passed, unfortunately, about uh, two years back now, and I... Sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I got his Martin in the estate and everything, and that's now, after playing that guitar, I almost can barely touch the other ones, you know, they get it's just so much better and you, you could just you know you can hear you can it, yeah, yeah you can feel that difference in the in the quality in the real a real step up although i had an old guild that i liked and i beat the heck out of that one and it's all it started to look like willie nelson's guitar at the front of it all <laughs> kind of eroded and scraped up and <laughs> dad used to get me help he said you treat guitars like they're canoe oars besides family i feel like everyone i do like to talk uh, a little deeper into inspiration because everybody every musician i've ever met in my entire life can usually point to that musician or band or act that just really took you or wanted to take your musicianship to the next level who can you point to as one of your points of inspiration that's interesting because there's there's taking your musicianship to the next level and then there's taking your uh, your songwriting and your crafting let's start with um the beginning so usually someone a music musician will point to someone and be like oh man i want to do that who was who was the guy the gal the band the act where you said, "Oh man, I I want this. I want this more than anything." Pretty much clear as day. Um, uh, an old buddy of mine, like I say, I was thirteen, fourteen, and he showed me. Um, I don't know if you know the tune "Sickness X One" by Rush. Kind of a deep cut on their "Farewell to Kings" album, and it's basically the story of this guy who's flying a spaceship, and he decides he's going to try to fly it into a black hole just to see what happens. You know, maybe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's of course, if you know the tune, it's like you can sit down with it, and, and this. This is what my buddy did. He kind of just described to me what was happening at each section of this song and how it goes. And by the end, it gets real heavy and crazy. And, and you think that he's, you know, just being torn.
torn apart by this black hole and that's it he's done right and this is the kind of band rush is they go in the next album he comes back as part of their big you know one side of the album concept song he comes back as this god or something it's like super nerdy but i love it and i just i heard that i'm like wow so officially rush oh yeah rush is that band for you absolutely so then over the years who who inspired you as you were kind of blossoming getting better at the craft after you know getting into that and really getting into the drums like i really got into the drums like i've i've never um since i've never um you know dived as deep into you know playing an instrument as i have with the drums right that was just like hours of practicing and rudiments and the whole deal like just right deep into it you know teenage years and early 20s no wife, no kiddo had time to just, you know, <laughs> if I wanted to go to the practice studio for four hours and bash away on rudiments, I could do it, right? And so There you go, yeah, you know, man. But, um, you know, getting into the guitar. but And, and the first couple bands I was in, you know, we, we got more into, a, a, you know, checking out the blues and, and you know, Almond Brothers and uh, early Zap stuff and, and all that, right? And and Nat had a, had a way of uh, going, okay, well, wait a second, you know, all this prog stuff is cool, but... You know, sometimes this music that's just all about feel and it's all about rhythm and groove is pretty amazing, you know. And, and so I started to lean a little more towards like a, a Bonzo than a Pert, you know, because Pert has always been kind of, you know, he's amazing, but of course criticized for being a little too, you know, you know, a little too robotic and formulaic and how he does things, right? Whereas, you know, the blues guys and stuff is just go, go down and they're in great groove and the Motown stuff. Dad and mom and dad used to listen to all that stuff. And so I was raised on all that old, old Motown, soul, blues, uh, you know, you never find a bigger Aretha Franklin fan than my mother, uh, and you know Ray Charles, even old super old school country stuff. I love the you know Johnny Cash, the Jennings, Waylon Jennings, all that great great stuff. You know, as long as it's real, it's got some emotion to it. So, but yeah, but then you know, crafting songs became a became a different animal, right? Than than playing in the bands, and of course, you know, again, like I mentioned, the bands falling apart. So sometimes, and you know, sometimes I still sit back and think, man. I should play some drums and I'd like to, but of course the idea of putting a band together and trying to keep that together and, you know, arranging all, especially I feel like the older I get trying to arrange a band is, it just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it's so hard, man. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, Cause yeah. the older everybody gets, you know, it's just like, you know, they want to commit, but at the end of the day, the family is number one. I, I liken it to a marriage. <laughs> you have to marry your fellow musicians. And if you, if you're not bonded that firmly, it, you're probably going to break up. Well, yeah. That's... And, and especially if you already got a marriage. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You already got a real marriage outside of the marriage. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah. Crafting songs. I don't know. I, it's like, uh, it's like a, a little Twitter thing I saw the other day, just, you know, who's better, uh, Eddie Van Halen or Jimmy Page? And it's like so simple. I mean, Eddie's a better player, obviously, but Jimmy's a far better songwriter. I feel like that's, that can be apples and oranges too. Yeah, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin is probably my favorite act of all time. So of course I'm going to, I'm going to side with Jimmy Page. And for all you um, uh, non-musicians out there, when he says Bonzo, that's John Bonham of Led Zeppelin fame. So I, I like to I like to break it down for those lay listeners that have no idea who Bonzo is. I mean, you know, bringing up Zepp is awesome. I, you know, I started off with Rush, but as I was learning, and I swear I flipped Led Zeppelin too. You know, I had a record player. I'd sit there, mm. throw some headphones on. I could play her up as loud as I could get it, try to play along with more time spent playing along with Bonzo and the guy from Dire Straits and 
you know, because of course, starting off, maybe some of Perk's stuff's a little too advanced, right? And That's the only instructor you really need is John Bonham. I mean, if you can play, I feel like if you can play the crunch, you have made it as a drummer. You do that is right. one of the hardest <laughs> drum lines that he has ever written, in my humble opinion. But let's switch gears. I want to hear, you know, because I, I love hearing the inspiration behind your music because I hear a lot of it in the music. So let's, let's tell the good people the story of your career through your work so let's focus on the music now i like to start with process first everyone's a little different sometimes people start with lyrics sometimes people start with um you know sitting at the piano sometimes people are playing with figures on a guitar what's your process shane very varied novo (laughs) but lately my favorite is like it's uh you got the voice memo on the phone and if a melody pops in my head you know, I don't care what time of day it is, where I got to go. I got to go somewhere and sing out this melody, put it on a voice memo. So don't forget it. Don't lose track of it. I just, I've written about three songs. I've got a four month old and, um, she's adopted and we, we got her very rapidly. Like they call it an instant placement in adoption. So she was just like, bam, we were like parents in three days. Wow. <laughs> and it's been, wow. That'll change your life overnight. Jesus. Yeah. Pretty zany, but she's amazing. She's such a sweet kid and we're just loving her. And, and, and I've since like written like three songs for her, just like, and they're just falling out of me. Like they're just, <laughs> that's very sweet. I love that. She's my muse, that. you know? And, and yeah, like a little, uh, almost like a two-step melody fell out of my head, like an old Johnny Cash, like, uh, you know, like nice. thing just and so if that happens simple oh yeah man. yeah that's yeah. the bomb they gotta sing you know in the past i've written songs that you know i like the idea of them and i like the concept and the lyrics and everything that that happened but sometimes i go back to playing some of those songs it's like man sing just doesn't sing like i want it to you know so that's what i'm really working on now is just making sure you know making sure it's uh, it's gonna stay it's it, making sure it's gonna earwork yeah that makes perfect sense yeah Keep it simple. Let those vocal melodies shine. Let those harmonies shine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. Make it all about the song. Make sure it's, and it's honest and it's real. It's got a proper emotion behind it. And so it sounds like you start with maybe a muse, just that, that inspiration, that idea. And so it may start. And then from there, it may, you may sit down with the guitar or you may sit down with lyrics or is that completely varied as well? Well, lately it's kind of hilarious. It's a, uh, you know, I'll be sitting there and basically the only time I can find a practice is I put my girl in the little bouncer chair. <laughs> and I just like, you, you know, said she's four months, four months. And so I stick her to just like crazy, adorable. Oh my God. She'll melt your heart. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. All day long. I just, we just, we's, my wife and I look at each other and go like, <laughs> like, how did this happen? How do we have this like beautiful little angel creature here in our house now? Like, <laughs> it, you know, it was crazy. And that'll be a great muse for the rest of your life. Yeah, too. pretty much. So I'll sit her in the little bouncy chair. I'll put my feet on it. I'll tap her along to the beat and I'll just play whatever. And she'll sit there. Heck, she'll sit there sometimes for an hour, hour and a half, just watching me <laughs> like bounce it along. Sometimes she'll fall asleep in the bouncer chair. I don't know what that says about my music, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can dance to it clearly yeah here you go and so yeah i just um you know and and uh, this last song the melody came to me and the thought that had been kicking around my head you know this might kind of sound sappy and i apologize whatever but you know like like the second i picked up this baby it was just like instant mm. love man instant like mm. next level defensiveness that's beautiful and yeah i just kind of thought to myself as like what an interesting lyric is that you know this idea that and i i'm 47 so I'm, yeah. I'm starting this Papa journey a little late in the game. And, uh, you know, I just, I, the, the lyric is, um, 
uh, I, I never thought that this old heart fall in love again would get to fall in love again. And so I kind of built off that and then, you know, I'll sit there and write lyrics as I'm singing to her and, you know, just, but then, you know, there's been other songs that have been 15 years in the making and I changed them and I re, and some of them are, are awesome too. And I love them, but you know, it, it, the process is, uh, it's hard to determine. I wouldn't want to keep it as a real robotic, like, no, I must so start a song with the words first and then do the chords. Like maybe that works for some people to have a real strong system, you know, maybe, but for me, it's gotta, I either gotta sit down and work on it when I, when I want to, or a melody has got to come to me. Sometimes it happens when you just sit down and you just get to work on it. But yeah, there's no, there's no solid format, you know? No, I love that. Yeah. It's free and loose. And it's, it's interesting to hear about your daughter and kind of how she's been acting as a muse and bringing a new side to your music. Because I often, as I was uh, researching uh, your music and your career for this show, I would see time and time again that your music was often billed as like introspective and dark and, you know, all of these things, honestly, on the opposite end of the spectrum of what you're describing so why is uh some of maybe your, your previous catalog um built such a way well fair enough i mean i hope that it uh i mean you've just listened to a lot of it as a new listener so i hope that uh what i've described it out yeah as is what it's you know what it sounds like right you know it's always tough to kind of figure out your own like <laughs> what is my music described as you know? well it's up to the you know uh, it's uh, it's why we named our show Art of the Beholder. It's in the it's it's in the eye of the beholder, right? So you know, good o good art like your art is always open to interpretation. I didn't I didn't really feel like it was too dark. I, I felt like it was kind of I don't know aspirational, inspirational. It it made me want to write music again myself. Honestly, nice. Well, glad to hear it. I mean, I guess it's the uh, I guess what is the perspective? Maybe the subject matter. Yeah, the subject that matter. you dive into. I mean, the main thing. And my earlier music is, uh, I've, I learned about three or four years ago that I have OCD mm. and, uh, what kind, uh, well, OCD, more of the obsessive side or the more of the compulsive side, more of the obsessive side. Yeah. I'm not, uh, you know, not like a germ guy. I need to wash my hands like a hundred times a day. No, not like that. Just, you know, I think that's a common misconception about OCD. People forget about the, they only see like in movies, the compulsion side, but they don't quite understand the obsession, obsessive side. Well, well, that's that's well said my friend because that's you know yeah, there's another thing that drives me crazy is how the word obsessed is used in always the wrong format it's like and to get people to understand you cannot be obsessed with something you like so you can't be obsessed with a movie you can't be obsessed with a book or a type of food that you just love it's like a thought like you can't stop thinking about you know horrible dark thoughts exactly that happen over and over again yes intrusive thoughts that are repetitious that's see that's what people don't understand is that that's what leads to the compulsions right you see people people with ocd will will do things to try to get them to stop thinking about these things that are troubling them so much right and do you channel that into your music do you like you know because i know i've met other people with ocd and they say to me i create stories in my mind that that have never happened and i think a lot of artists will paint that or maybe in your case will write that mm -hmm. is that oh, the case for sure if i go through the first album root foot is about um, well the process of of uh, what's called exposure which is a uh, basically the number one technique for dealing with ocd wherein you you know say you're you know 
like if your OCD thought is a violent thing, like you're worried you're going to do something violent or this is going to happen, um, you know, the idea of exposure is you're supposed to sit there and gradually, you know, sort of build up the intensity of what you're you're supposed to try to think about that on purpose. And it makes you feel mm-hmm. horrible when you get stressed and anxious and all that. But it's the way to kind of like normalize your brain to go, okay, it doesn't matter what you think, you know, it's your actions that determine life, your life and your you know, your destiny, so to speak. So that's root, root foot is that it's about, it's about a, it's about doing exposure. I really love that track too, for the record. Very percussive. I, you know, as being a drummer by trade and you being a drummer by trade, I feel like you really got to stretch your imagination with all the percussion in that piece. Yeah, that was really fun for sure. I got to play, I was playing drums on that as well. I tracked the drums on that, which I don't do as much anymore because uh, my sound engineers are really good drummer as well. And it's just, I, I think part of our little arrangement is he seems to enjoy getting in there and doing, you know, either a live kit or lately it's been stuff like percussion and stuff that we've, you know, live samples and stuff and working that into the, into the like Tennessee Cross has some timpani drums and, and some shaker and this and that, you know, but yeah, so Rufus about that. Monkey Train is about, uh, for a while, um, insomnia was the, was the OCD thing. Right. You know, it's just like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. we're going to sleep. Uh, you know, so that, that monkey trains about insomnia and lost in the dark. I was uh, well, I moved to Ontario in my early 20s and I worked at a job as a singing cowboy at a petting zoo, <laughs> which was <laughs> which was great for the jobs, actually, because I'd, I'd you know, play a bunch of tunes for the kids. And on the weekends, I just sat on the porch and played songs. I'd play 100, 150 tunes on a Saturday or, you know, sitting there for eight Jeez. or nine hours. Right. Oh, my God. Take a break. <laughs> need a vacation <laughs> that was the job Jesus. right so that and then was the job. Was, Damn. but i lived there too and so there was a bunch of people that lived there and so after a while it started just you know like i don't know it's it's good let's just say it's good to get some separation between work and home yeah. oh god yeah you need space my man yeah so right. lost oh, in the dark had a little bit to do with you know homesickness and loneliness and i didn't realize it was ocd i didn't know that my mom passed about eight or nine years ago and that's when the first real like boom like oh my god what is happening to my brain and so you know loss was a big part of it and yeah like you say right now with our girl and just that joy she brings every day and just seeing her little smile and you know you're right i feel like i'm on the opposite side of it which feels great good yeah i mean we that's (laughs) that's the key to life right is balance you are already talking about your album 2018's you are my home so let's dive deeper I really fell in love with your album here and uh, some things that really stood out to me that we already have talked about is is, is Rootfoot. But I, I feel like Lost in the Dark is a piece that I feel like encompassed so many different ideas of what you were doing on the album and really came together in, a, in kind of a perfect harmony as a piece. And what's uh, what really stood out to me the most, I think, throughout the entire album, not just Lost in the Dark, is your use of instrumentation. I, I loved when a guitar solo came in or a harmonica solo or a sax or, you know, or an organ. I feel like you played with so many of these different sounds and textures that it just really came to fruition. Like it was a fully realized world and vision with a lot of these pieces. How do you approach something like instrumentation? How do you know like, oh, this part would be great with a harmonica or a guitar solo? What's your process there? Floating on helium here with this. Uh, I'm glad you got so much out of it. I, I No, I don't know. I, uh, you know, a song 
a song will just kind of kind of feel like what it needs almost like it's it's hard to say exactly like um kind of like a story writes itself you know music writes itself in a way the next signal i got coming out is um i had some ideas rolling around about sort of this sort of repetitious kind of cyclical vocal at the end and then i thought oh man that needs some didgeridoo under it. <laughs> so, didgeridoo. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> I love the didgeridoo. That's so random. That's great. Right? You know, um, that has to be like your per- percussive background or something, because I feel like a very underrated musician is the percussionist, but they technically kind of know how to play everything. So, and that's, I think, I feel like the more we're talking, you strike me as, I know you, you just said you didn't kind of go down any formal educational routes but it sounds like you're this multi-instrumentalist you're this you can play a little bit of everything oh yeah i mean uh, my longest running band i was a bass player and vocalist Mm. little trio vocalist bass player who does that remind you of (laughs) yeah bass uh, now i'm also a music teacher as well so you know i teach piano guitar bass and drums piano being my weakest instrument the one i wish i knew the most honestly I, i wish i could rock the piano it's just awesome I love how the piano has the capability of bass and treble, both sides. You don't really need anything other than the piano to get, you know, that's awesome. But um, so I guess that, you know, as a music teacher and having to, you know, wear a bunch of hats to to teach the kids, it keeps me hopping for sure. The best way to learn is to teach for sure Mm -hmm. on on the side. Um, I also uh, kind of was fascinated by your arrangements, too. Like sometimes I, you know, if I would listen to this album or some of your singles and just kind of have them on a playlist and 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 uh, float away from, you know, very focused, you know, analytical listening, I I found myself thinking that sometimes like a piece turned to the next song, the next track, only to realize that, oh, no, we're still on the same piece. Why do you do that with some of your tracks? I was curious about that. I think Monkey Train is an example where you have like, it kind of fades into a completely different section. Why not separate those into different tracks? That's a good question. Well, one thing about this album that was uh, interesting is that I won this little contest, put together a three song demo, and there was this contest by the, you know, um, Sunrise Records. I don't know, basically what used to be the HMVs in the mall. And, uh, you know, basically, yeah. you know, this, this relic called the CD store, you know, I still love them, <laughs> but, you know, uh, anyway, so I had to get this album out for, boom, I need to yeah. get these 10 songs i got second place in this contest um and then i'm like they distribute they were going to distribute my cds all across western canada so i'm like oh man i gotta throw these tunes together right so you know maybe given more time some of them might have been broken up into uh, into separate ideas but you know as far as monkey train goes for example like i love that track i i I love how it starts off CCR and kind of ends Soundgarden, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Why do you, uh, why that approach? Why did you feel like you wanted to create these, you know, two sides of the same coin within a piece? I've always kind of enjoyed that in certain bands, you know, that would take an idea and then it just kind of morphs into something else and, and it, it's done kind of seamlessly, you know, like uh, a lot of those classic bands pull that stuff off. Uh, one of my faves for it is Dire Straits. One thing I love about Dire Straits is they'll, they got the song going, you know, and if, if you haven't noticed this before, check it out with some older Dire Straits albums, or doesn't even matter, even the, even the newer stuff. Basically, you know, they're going, they got their song, whatever it is, you're going away and da-da-da, singing through the vocal, doing the chorus. The first album is great for this. And then always at the end, Straits just kind of takes off into this sort of mellow, smooth jam with Knopfler playing his gorgeous licks. And it's just, 
a great jam, but it's not too, you know, it doesn't get into total crazy jazz land or, or metal or anything. It's just this kind of smooth groove and it feels great. And they're never in a hurry to end the song. You know, like it just goes for bits. Some people hate that. Me, I get grouchy. Like, for example, if I get on the radio and they start playing Light My Fire and they cut out the keyboard solo, man, I get grumpy. That's the best part of that whole song, (laughs) right? You know, know, like there's a, but of course, radio time and and music changing like it is. And obviously what what you're saying, you enjoy the fact that there's some solos and there's some different instruments coming in. I feel like that's starting to become a dinosaur as well. Like, geez, like, are we going to lose the the beauty of the guitar solo? What? Oh God, (laughs) don't get me started. I feel like the entire music industry is is becoming more and more formulaic over the years. So it's it's very refreshing to meet musicians like you that still want to get in the studio and play one live instruments and arrange pieces instead of just, you know, getting on pro tools and having one producer and a singer like a singer songwriter, you know, kind of pump out the same sounding things. So I it's very refreshing. Well, I'm glad you think so. Right. I can't stop. It's uh, I blame my papa. Oh, it's a drug. Yeah. It's a it's a healthy drug. It's in the, it's in the like blood it. or something. Let's switch gears again to. I found it very fascinating to learn that uh, you have a bit of a traditional fine arts side as well, and you create the artwork for your album covers, and you actually have a brand. So, guys, check out his brand. It's called Line and Bison, and it captures a very specific kind of art. Kind of, I want to hear the process there and kind of paint the picture, you know, uh, literally and figuratively for the audience right now of how these things not only come to be, but what they look like as well. Yeah, I love my light and buys and stuff. I've been drawing since even before I started music, like I think seven, eight, nine, you know, really young. I was just like, man, art is awesome just drawing and and for the longest time though you know i do like fantasy art just just sort of a variety of things landscapes whatever never really you know having my style together exactly or, or my sort of brand and again it comes back to that contest i needed to have a cover for that three song demo i had to submit to even be a part of the contest oh okay and the song steamroller dreams which is um it's about uh, Neil Young and his journey from when he went from Manitoba to California in his hearse. He had an old hearse he drove across <laughs> the states in him, and uh, and then he met up with uh, Stephen Stills and uh, and uh, anyway the guys the guys in Buffalo Springfield, right? And they formed the band. Yeah. Now here's a crazy story too. I worked the guy I worked for on this 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 petting zoo that I worked for as a as a singing cowboy. Now he was a character. His, he, 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 he was a character. He'd tell us all these stories, right? Tall tales. And he told us that he was the first manager for um, Buffalo Springfield. Oh, there's no shit. And I'm like, no, okay. no way, man. You know, and he actually at one point told me that. I, I, Small world. Right? And Neil Young was coming in at one point. He was telling me that he could get me hooked up to go and meet him and this and that. Never happened. So I, I got to thinking that maybe that story he had told me was a bit of BS. Well, I pick up uh, one of Neil's books, like an autobiography. And sure enough, he freaking mentions this guy. Huh. And I'm just blown away. Like I'm reading this book. I'm like, oh my God. Right? So hey, what are the odds? that was yeah. crazy. So anyway, I mentioned him in the tune. Uh, the fact they formed Buffalo Springfield, that's why I wanted, okay, I need a bison for the cover. You know? So sorry, you're probably wondering how <laughs> I was getting back to the art side of this, but I need a nice, an awesome bison image, but I'm thinking to myself, ah, I don't want to just do like, you know, just like a standard, you know, draw a bison just in a regular realism mode. You know, I wanted it to be something that jumped out and stand out, stood out or whatever. And so I started, I started just fooling around with basically a little bit of abstraction and simplification. And I started just 
instead of drawing like, you know, the little areas of shadow and dark and light you might see in the fur of this animal, I started creating like little shapes and then I would fill in the shapes with just line ideas. What, what medium do you use though? It, it just starts pencil and it's usually like a micron, like a fine, fine pen ink. And okay. uh, yeah. Cause I didn't know, like looking at them, I didn't know if there were carvings, like, cause you have a lot of depth in the, and even though you're, you're just essentially using black and whites, but I feel like you get a lot done with what you, you know, what you have. I, I, I can actually see where you say that uh, my niece is really big on prints. I'm actually looking at what a calendar mm. she made and, and I can see how maybe my, some of my drawings might have that sort of print kind of aspect to it you know the lines and the sort of textures that just sort of naturally happening when you're carving a print out or carving out a lino or something for a print right yeah so then when i finish that drawing of that buys it i'm just like oh my god this is it i figured it out oh sorry nova we got a little four-month-old popped in to say hi she's a darn right adorable oh. <laughs> hi hi young lady welcome to the show yeah. her name is prairie she's the best hey prairie <laughs> anyway i digress but um yeah so then i, I saw that and i'm like oh i'm gonna do this thing i'm just gonna do the main theme is like western like prairie based animals like because i'm from alberta and uh you know with that sort of shape and line kind of look to them and i've you know got a whole bunch of them now and i've got a little you know instagram page and this and that and yeah so it was really exciting to find that um you know, find a style you know like you can i know i know we can say that, that branding gets over the top in this day and age but at the same time you kind of want to have you don't want you necessarily your art to be all over the place then nobody can kind of recognize what you're doing and recognize it as you and i urge the people listening right now just to check out his his album art because it is for lack of a better way to put it, it's really cool. It really kind of captures these animals. And I think it's a good, again, visual representation for a lot of the music you're crafting. I feel that way. You know, it's kind of fun looking at like the band camp page or whatever. You see all the different artworks on the singles and it's like, oh, cool. That kind of looks cohesive. So tell the good people what you're up to now. Are you still in the studio making new singles? Is there something on the horizon after Tennessee Cross or are you going to get on the road or still making a new album? Oh, I don't think there'll be much road time right now novo with a little four month old <laughs> we're gonna have to True. yeah touche i was touché. i was kind of you know you know hinting at the missus saying oh what do you think you know just a little little tour to ontario or something and uh, we're both kind of like i don't know maybe that'd be kind of yeah you could bring the family on the tour bus yeah, so to bring speak. the little girl and uh but I'm, uh, i think four months is a little young maybe next summer but uh no there's a new single that i'm uh i'm hoping is going to be out maybe next month or so kind of a more up-tempo thing, but still, I don't know, kind of got some Eagles, Poco, kind of this California mysterious vibe thing I, I like. Kind of, it, it might be my next album's answer to Steamroller. Steamroller Dreams mm. on the first one, but I'm really happy with it. It's coming along, and there's a quite a, one of the songs I recorded for Prairie, uh, we took three takes of it off the floor, kept the first one. So, so that was all good. And, uh, and uh, anyway, um, yeah, so just more singles are coming out. I'm building it all to, you know, the album might be sort of a collection of some of these singles and some new stuff. So, you know, okay. right? And uh, that's the plan. I, when do you think you're going to release that guy? I, I would love to have that album out. I'd love to have it out before before the fall or before Christmas, whether or not that happens okay, or not. Okay, so this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got, uh, there's quite a few tracks on it that are, that are getting there and done or we're close and uh yeah so that's just that's the plan is you'll have to let us know so we can tell the world you already got a name for the album uh i might or is that still in the oven i might um but you know 
good card player doesn't reveal all his tricks, right? There you go. Okay, very good. <laughs> um, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk uh, long term. Then, what's uh, what's the future hold for Mr. Shane Larman? You know, man, I just keep uh, like to keep building my music, taking care of my my familia, and uh, you know, uh, I've been working a lot on uh, sort of this uh, this marketing kind of almost strategy where I'm trying to uh, almost like bring like mindfulness. Mindfulness, elaborate. What do you mean? Uh, well, mindfulness, this idea of that, you know, whatever you do, anything, anything, something super boring, something super fun, doesn't matter. As long as you just like, you know, can allow yourself to try to just focus on the task at hand or focus on the thing at hand as much as you can without letting your mind wander all over the place. And and so I thought, wait a minute, I can take that concept into, into marketing because it feels like you're trying to promote your own music or get videos made or whatever, all the 92 different hats a, a modern musician has to wear. <laughs> sure, right. Sure. You know, like at the end of the day, you got to find a way to, to find some joy in that, build your craft, build your fan base, all that without stressing yourself out to the nines, jumping all over itself. A great deal of it has to do with organization. And so I'm just, just trying to build that and, you know, you know, and uh, just build my music, get it out to more people. And I mean, I'm a full-time teacher. It's, you know, I, I don't, uh, less, uh, less, uh, you know, this big, massive financial success comes along with the music. I don't predict that I'll be uh, leaving that anytime soon, but, um, uh, I'm on a break right now with my daughter, so a little paternal uh, leave. And uh, yeah, just just keep on rolling, man. Keep on rolling. We love it. Well, we can't wait to hear the album later this year. And uh, from the NDP family, we wish you all the luck and success in the world. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Larmond. Thanks, Novo. Appreciate it. Again, guys, you can check out Shane Larmond at shanelarmond.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-L-A-R. M-A-N-D.com. Now, instead of the normal outro, I think it would be fitting again for Shane to play us out. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, performing Lost in the Dark, Shane Larmond. to the drum The road under the wheel And my eyes straight straight to the sun Just beginning to understand what the sacrifice it takes to be your own man ever been is just a little more subtle a little more undercover it is hidden
Blue. 